Welcome to First Time Through. New Eyes on Castle Rock, Season 2. I'm Kim Payne. And I'm Otto Mullins. This is our podcast chronicling our journeys through the Stevenverse. Welcome back to Season 2 of First Time Through. New Eyes on Castle Rock. Um, I'm Kim Payne. And I'm Otto Mullins. And uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is our Stephen King uh, read-along, read-a-thon podcast where we read the uh, incredible Steveverse novels he's known for, review them, and talk about them. Hey everyone, Otto here. I'm just chiming in for a second to explain what's gonna you're gonna hear in this episode so we had just gotten back from fright night film festival in louisville kentucky and it was an absolute blast but we were also incredibly tired and knew we had to get the episode recorded so we immediately started getting all of our stuff together we started recording and i like a dummy forgot to change some of the settings on my microphone that i had changed to compensate for all of the background noise that we were hearing at the festival while we were interviewing people so this is not the best sound quality on my end kim sounds fantastic um and there's just not a lot i can do about it in post that's not incredibly time consuming so thank you so much for listening and i hope you excuse that poor sound quality and it's fun now um i'm glad to see that we're a whole year in and or almost a whole year in and how your perspectives on these things have changed right yeah so i'm not as much of a novice as it is so you know season two you're going to see a different auto he's uh more mature he's darker grittier it's a reboot essentially it's like a dc reboot um but in reality, um, I'm also, you know, I'm not new to Stephen King anymore. You know, I do have some references under my belt. Um, Mr. Mercedes uh, actually is pretty devoid of references so far. But uh, I'm sure that will change. Um, and so uh, I'm just uh, I'm more, you know, if we look at it like body parts and you tip your toes in the water, and that's what I was doing in season one, now I'm up to my, like, knees, you know. Like, yeah, I think that's uh, a good analogy. Yeah, I'm standing in the water with everyone. Like, I'm watching you guys all swim, and I'm like, that looks pretty great. I hope you guys are having fun. Uh, and I'm back here, like, halfway through Mr. Mercedes. Uh, but to, I'm sorry to just drop the bomb like that. We are covering Mr. Mercedes today. Yeah. Um, so far, how you like it? Uh, it's pretty great. I really enjoy uh, it quite a bit. It's been good to read something modern again. Just to see the differences, I think, you know, something that's really interesting, uh, you know, we're going to talk a lot about two different people, Hodges and Brady are going to be the two uh, protagonists of this story, well, and antagonists mm-hmm. um, of each other's stories, which is a fun um, juxtaposition that Steve gives us in this novel. Um, but Brady is a, he's a very interesting guy. Uh, it's been interesting to read through it. Um Steve also has learned a lot about writing and using language, I think, by the time he's gotten here. Uh, and it really shows. Yeah, he's got a lot of life behind him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. uh, so you want to give us our summary? Yeah, I can, I can try and break this Ooh. guy down, do a little recap. I'm going to tell it this way. There are two stories happening simultaneously. The story of Brady... Hartsfield, 
who uh, will eventually be revealed to be a serial killer, and the story of Bill Hodges. At the beginning of the prologue, we're actually treated to a very sweet and endearing chapter to a single mother and her baby. So we know that they're about to die in traditional Stephen King fashion. And whereas if right on cue in my head, a Mercedes plows into their head, <gasps> that is how we end the prologue, with a giant crowd of 16 people murdered. Bill Hodges is the detective that's hired, or not hired, he's assigned to the case. He re uh, goes through, he looks into it, he investigates it. He's not able to solve it, and it just becomes a cold case. He ends up uh, retiring without ever solving it. We end up coming into the story at that point. When he is retired, he is living on his own. He's got his own house. He's suicidal. He's not doing great. This is a man who obviously defined himself by his job and had nothing else to define himself. While we're there uh, learning about that, he receives a letter with a smiley face on it, and it kind of goads him to come out. The smiley face letter, um, as is what I've known it as in my notes, um, we find out it was from the Mercedes killer, and the Mercedes killer is trying to goad him back out into killing himself as a fun, twisted little joke. Simul what it really does is it ends up pulling out Bill Hodges out of retirement, becoming a private eye, and starting to investigate this series of uh, events that's leading him to who the Mercedes killer is. What makes this book interesting is simultaneously we're also looking at Brady Hartsfield's perspective. And while we are seeing Bill Hodges investigate into the Mr. Mercedes killer himself, we also see Brady, who is trying to put together his plan to trick Hodges and is eventually revealed to be Mr. Mercedes himself. Um, there's a bunch of twists and turns, and we'll get into those a little bit deeper, but that's essentially like the bulk of what we have during this. Um, so yeah, the first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, there is some, like, good stuff. So just to, like, really recap the, like, chain of events, um, Bill Hodges is going to end up uh, meeting Olivia Trelawney, who is the woman who owned the Mercedes, and she is going to, or not meeting her, he's going to meet her sister again. And they're going to end up having a little rendezvous sex affair. Then they're going to go and meet his mom, or her mom, and then her mom's going to die. And then they're going to go to a funeral together. And Brady is going to work at his... Uh, ice cream truck he's an ice cream truck driver which i think like is very interesting as a good little thing he works in an electronics store so he's very well versed in technology it's very interesting we'll talk about this in a little bit it's very fun to read stephen king talking about technology because it's kind of like close it's not exact but it's it's close enough that i'm like yeah you get it uh and it's really fun uh he also during all of this you know he just it's hard to read brady's parts he's just Anything, every time in the last year, every time during season one where I would talk about how, you know, um, Stephen King is, like, doing something, and, you know, I don't think this is, like, it's not him being a bad person, it's just the way writing is and that kind of stuff. No, Brady's just a bad person, and he uses every single trick in the book, like, while writing it to show you that. Um, and he does a good job of it, in my opinion. During all of that, um, we end up meeting Jerome Robinson, who is a kind of techie, um, that helps Bill Hodges. We meet Brady's mother, who has been molesting him on and off for years. And at the very end of this section, Brady's mother accidentally eats a hamburger that was poisoned to kill Jerome, Robinson's dog. 
and that's where I had to stop reading. And it was just, it's, it's just like revival. It was just like, okay, this is fine, I guess. Like, I like detective stuff. But then it gets good, and I'm like, okay, like, let's do it. The very last words are just, I'm going to kill you, and you won't see it coming. Yeah, I know. I kind of picked a really hard spot to stop, but it really is the best spot. No, I'm the, so the excited. The second half of the book is going to be... It was right Fantastic. at the climax. I did not see that happening with Brady's mom in the hamburger. It was a perfect, uh, a perfect time for that to happen. That was uh, a good recap. No, thanks. I, I, I was, I want him to be a little bit, uh, I guess some goofs in there. Of course, I'm hilarious, but also, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want to give away as much. You know, we gotta coax it out and give you some uh, pointers and stuff. I mean, you know, yeah, you know that Brady's mom is gonna eat a poisoned hamburger, but how? And why? And why, right? <laughs> um, before we get to that point, though, Kim, I did want to mention to you, uh, did you know we have a Facebook page? Uh, you know what? I heard about that. Yeah, we do have a Facebook page, and we talk to our listeners all of the time on our Facebook page uh, consistently. We actually have a fun little uh, um, regular segments in our bookmarks that you'll be coming out here in season two as well. And in those bookmarks, we'd like to have as much of your uh, listener interaction as we can. So please follow us on Facebook so that way we can hear your thoughts on everything. I'd love to know what you guys think of Mr. Mercedes. Definitely check it out. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, it is. We also have a Patreon, um, and we're it's uh, going to be going under a little bit of a revamp here, but uh, it should be available soon, and uh, we're very excited to be talking about that here in a little bit. Uh, if you'd like to have any of your messages read on the show, um, please uh, just let us know at firsttimethroughpodcast at gmail.com. So we were lucky enough to actually secure our first sponsor, um, It's which is crazy, right, Kim? It is crazy. Right. Um, so I was thanks. so exciting. <laughs> right. It's, it's super exciting. Uh, so welcome to season two. We're an official podcast with the sponsor. And our sponsor this week is John H. Mudgett, who's written a book called Crazy Is As Crazy Does, The Life of a Serial Killer. And so, you know, we picked this serial killer novel on our book to kind of coincide with it because we did actually... Um, secure a copy to give away to our audience so here's what we're giving away it's a book uh it's a short novel actually it's about what 170 pages i think you said i think so yeah yeah so here's just the t um from an excerpt on an interview this is a graphic and horrific tale about a timid 12 year old and how he evolves into a diabolical serial killer nature and nurture tormented and transformed this young man into eccentric and ruthless killer John Goodman describes his antic upbringing to his abducted FBI agent and a couple of other captives. He begins his tale of his first murders and how those murders prompted him into killing others. These stories lead him into other frightful events and meetings with several true notorious killers. This story is undeniably plausible, and after reading, some may consider John Goodman to be a factual person. It is a story that it is written to be a biography of a person that doesn't exist. I, I don't even know how to describe it. That, but yeah, it's a fictional biography. Yeah, I guess like a like a fictional history biography. Yeah, I guess is how we could put it. So, and uh, he goes through it. Um, you know, you were telling me about some award that it had won. 
Yeah, um, he won an ELIT Book Award Silver Medal in the Horror category for their 12th Anniversary Honors Awards program. No, and that's incredible. So we are giving away, luckily enough, a copy of this novel, this award-winning novel, uh, over on our Facebook page. So go ahead and follow us over on Facebook. And uh, there's going to be a couple of requirements, but all you really have to do is like and interact with the post. And then you just tag one friend that you think would be interested in this novel about serial killers um, from a serial killer's point of view. It's, it's an interesting concept. It's really great. You know, when we talked to the author, he was telling us that it's kind of like he took all of the real story, kill, the real stories of serial killers that he knows and he combined them into one person to try and make them as gruesome and terrifying as he could. And it just sounded so gripping and fantastic that we were really excited he brought it to us. Yeah, and it's such a, it's a fascinating book. It was creepy because, kind of like Misery, it was plausible. You know, this could like really, this could be a real person. And so that that always kind of gives me the, the creeps. This story is undeniably plausible. And after reading, some may consider John Goodman to be a factual person. You can find Crazy Is As Crazy Does The Life of a Serial Killer by John H. Mudgett on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and even over on Facebook at his author's page at John H. Mudgett, spelled M-U-D-G-E-T-T. Don't forget to go to our Facebook chant for a chance to win our giveaway of that novel, which we'll be announcing next week on our bookmark. Kim, um, speaking of that bookmark, what, what are we doing for that bookmark? Your favorite? Serial killer story. story. Yes, story. Um, not favorite serial killer. If you yeah, tell not, me you have a favorite person that murders other people, I'll be like, no, don't. I'll like, be super bad, worried about you. Yeah, but if you have a story that you find very intriguing, like I find Ted Bundy's story intriguing, and we'll talk about that next week. It's just, man, escape from the police three times? That's crazy. That's awesome. Like, not him. He's not awesome. But escaping from the police three times? That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so um, join us next week for the bookmark about serial killers. And don't forget to check out every week uh, Kim's post about what you're reading. Um, so that way she can talk about it in uh, the bookmarks, too. All right, so uh, anything else to add, Kim? Anything you want to say? I think that's it. Oh, my God. There's one other thing I'm... we have to say, actually. Oh. This last week we spent at Fright Night Film Festival, and you're going to hear all about it in the bookmark. We actually have an entire episode of the next bookmark that's going to be coming out this week, um, where we're going to do some live interviews from the convention floor. Uh, we got to meet a couple of new authors that we're going to be able to, we're actually going to get to give away another horror novel. Uh, it's going to be really fantastic, but there is one person in particular that it could not have been possible without, and that person's name is Don. Don, thank you for being such an incredible supporter of the show. Thank you for your help. Thank you for helping us secure lodging while we were traveling to perform at this um, convention. Uh, and if you or anyone you know has any horror conventions uh, that would love some new entertainment, uh, we'd love to put together a panel and present something for you and uh, set up a booth. And frankly, it was a fantastic experience that we can't wait to replicate. It really was. I, yeah. It was so much fun. No, oh, absolutely. Um, okay, now I think enough chatting and talking. We should talk about some murderers. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's talk about a Mercedes here.
Yeah. So before we even get into talking about, you know, the main characters in any way, we have what is it like a twenty-page chapter or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we gotta have. Oh no, it's not. 20. Oh, it's like twelve pages. It's still a minute though. So uh, the nice thing is this is set in two thousand nine, so it's a little. Uh, it's pretty recent-ish. I mean, not anymore. Really. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's yeah. just like, you know, the last couple of years that we've had, uh, everything has changed in a month and a half's time. So uh, 10 years ago is just so long now. Right. It is. Um, but the nice thing about it being set in this time period is it gives us a fun chance for Steve to show us that he does know how cell phones and computers work. Uh, because most of the time they're just uh, small little props that get smashed is uh, I found out in later or revival in revival they were cleverly written out every time but yeah, in, they were. in later uh, it was uh, just consistently they got smashed every time and that hasn't happened here yet they've been pretty pretty even on the technology front so far so this first chapter we're introduced to a woman and I don't know her name, and I'm not going to pretend to you that it matters. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that she's a single mom waiting in line to get a job at the local job plant, and she's got a baby in her hands because she can't afford a daycare. And I'm not trying to make light of any of that. It is just you truly just don't have to know who she is. You just have to know, like, the idea of her. Right. Because... She's going to be killed, and the person that kills her is just going to be heartless. Because just saying that sentence on our podcast made somebody go, oh. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. um, And it's it's good because Augie, a gentleman who is searching for a job also at this job fair, you know, kind of befriends her. And you think at the beginning, man, you know, that's kind of cool. Maybe... Maybe they'll be friends after this. Right, and dear listener, don't let Kim fool you. Just because she knows the name of this man, he did not survive. He's also killed in this incredible killing. And all of a sudden, it's just just incredible to me because it is exactly like that for us while we're reading this. You read ten pages of these people that you get so invested in their lives. You think that these are going to be the main character of this book, these two homeless people trying to get a job. And then out of nowhere, you just get two paragraphs of people screaming and then a gray mercedes screaming through everything and it's one of my it's this is going to make people worry about me but one of my favorite sentences was he started to raise his head to see if it was happening and a huge black tire ate up his vision he felt the woman's hand grip his forearm he had time to hope the baby was still sleeping then time ran out and it's just so good because for the introduction like this he doesn't give you all that gore right yep uh, he gives it from a it's it's um i felt like it was a really weird perspective to portray this from i mean i enjoyed the perspective because it was not what you would expect we didn't get it from the perspective of the killer we got it from the perspective of the victim or a yeah, victim, not the absolutely. victim, a victim. Right. It, it seems to be, it was the most sympathetic victim, too. Yes. And I, it's all its all a ploy that Steve's using. And he's using it to get the audience immediately on the side against this person. 
Well, I mean, if you aren't against the guy who ran a car into a whole group of people trying to find job a job, you may need to talk to somebody about that. Right. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking, though, right? If you put it in the perspective of the Mr. Mercedes, though, you're going to get people that are able to create positive versions of that character, a la Trash Can Man. When people are able to create these sympathetic versions of Trash Can Man, you know, it kind of is able to, like, almost explain away all of the terrible things that he did. But in reality, you can't explain those things away. He still did those terrible things. Yeah. So, yeah. you know... I mean, I, you, yeah, that's a point, too, but... And that's what I think, you know, is if you put it in Brady's perspective in this opening part and you don't see Augie and Lady A and the baby be murdered from their point of view, they're just, oh, they're just literally bumps in the road to him. You don't have that, like, emotional hatred. And that's what this does really good. That's what Steve's taking advantage of here. He's taking your emotional hatred on a roller coaster ride and he's not letting go. No, he's not. And it immediately goes into... It's uh, set up very similar to um, Revival. And I think that... I'm going to keep saying that it's that similar structure, but it's just because that's the first one I saw it in. But I don't think that this is going to be special to anything in particular, except for Steve's writing. He just breaks it up into sections like this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it goes into Detective Retired. And we meet Bill Hodges, who is um, might be one of my favorite protagonists of all time, in all honesty. He's, I don't like, uh, I, I'm particularly not, I'm not usually a fan of cop characters. They're usually pretty one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. But um, Bill Hodges is three-dimensional because he used to be one-dimensional. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. He... Yeah. He has, since his being a cop that's retired, that's only one aspect of his personality. Now we have retired Bill who, you know, realizes that he made that the only facet of his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. So we learn about the crime, and then instead of learning about any of the investigation, anything about the crime, we just jump forward. I think it's 20-something years, right? No, I think it's like five years. It feels longer, but okay, five years. It feels longer, but yeah, it's not. It's just a few years. So, like, we jump forward like five, we jump forward however many years. I don't want to say it and be wrong. And so, it is with Bill Hodges, he just is introduced as a regular character, and he's just introduced as a character that's actually kind of a lazy old bum that just watches TV and drinks and thinks about killing himself every night. Um, And then he gets this letter and it's a literal call to action, and it's just a great use of that um, old uh, trope, almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he pulls him into this adventure he never anticipated to be on, and it completely takes away all of the disturbing contentness he was feeling. Um, disturbing discontent? Discontent, that's a good one, yeah. He yeah, because he really, he really wasn't... Happy he wasn't with what he was happy doing. with what he was, but he didn't know how to get out because of it. He, he had to get out of it because all he all he had in his life for a long, long time was being a cop. That's all he knew. Right. And absolutely. so now here he is. He's kind of lost and kind of floating around. And this gives him some kind of purpose. Did you find him to be disgusting at all during this first chapter when he's introduced? 
Um, yes and no. I feel like um, it's kind of it's kind of a trope. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people that when they retire, if they don't have a family or friends or hobby or something to keep them busy, that all they do is sit around and watch TV and be depressed and lonely. So that's exactly I, I mean, what I, I wanted to feel to, like. No, I wanted to talk about on the, de- the depression aspect of it. I think that's one of the most beautiful things that it does is yes, it's disgusting. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not great. But it's because it's coming from this emotional center point of this depression. And I love that Steve just doesn't shy away from that. Right. Right. He just puts it out there. And, you know, it's it's just real. I, I feel like he's a really real character, mm-hmm. a really real person. Oh, yeah. He's written very, uh, uh, you know, in an alternate lifetime, I think, you know, Stephen King sees himself as this character for sure. Um. So we're introduced to Bill, and we get a lot of information from him right away, and um, we find out that he was a detective. It's pretty much told to us, and that he watches TV every day, and that he waits for his mail, and then his mail comes, um, and today it's a little different. He gets a special letter. Addressed to Detective K. William Hodges, retired. Typed. And it's uh, just, it's got his address on it, but there's no return address, and there's no, um, yeah, um, um, and it doesn't and have a no return address. no identifying things. It's very, very plain. Right. Right. And he opens it up, right. and um, what, okay, before, uh, you know, Kim, what, just like right off the top of your head, what's the first thing you think of when you read this letter? Um... It's needling, you know, and this this person who wrote this letter has been watching him. No, what he part, knows that he's. What, what part do you like specifically remember? Hmm. Oh, I remember that he gets it, it. It was the craziest thing to me, and the first time I read it, when I was rereading it again this time, um, that he doesn't that he gets the word perp wrong, p e r p. He calls it a perk. See, I didn't catch that until Hodges points it out, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like, the way he gives, like, such a disturbing picture of the night it happens and his, like, sexual, like, excitement is just, it shows a, such a disgusting level of uh, uh, this character that he's creating immediately. Right, right. And I, I also kind of felt like, it was probably a character of his character. Does that make sense? Yeah. An I exaggeration. It may I, not have been. I, but. I, I think that that's part of, I think that part of it is definitely an exaggeration. I don't know if that part, some of that's true. I think, though, that Brady, as we're going to see, is not as smart as he thinks he is. He is going to really put himself out. He's already overplayed his hands many a time to someone that is actually intelligent. Um, And we'll get through that. But um, it's just, I think that a lot more of this is him thinking he's smarter than he is and giving away a lot more information. And I think we'll see that soon. Um, So we get this incredible letter. It describes in detail everything that happened, who he is, why he should believe him. And um, he essentially says, I know I've, I've been watching you. Like, uh, and 
uh, I think that you are going to kill yourself, and I'm curious why you're waiting. Yeah, he's definitely trying to prod him in a direction of going ahead and offing himself. Um, At the end of it, he ends up giving him a handle, Kermit Frog 19 for a website called Debbie's Blue Umbrella, which will be a very big center point for the rest of the novel. Um, I imagine I'm only halfway through it, and I can still feel like I can say that. I, I, that's safe to say. So that, that's a that's a good uh, theory, right? Um, and I think after Hodge reads this letter, right, it's super fun because it's like reading. I'm sure we've all had those moments um, where you just feel it click. Like, whatever you're doing, you just get it. And you're like, oh, I understand. And it's fun to read how Steve interprets that moment for Bill Hodges here. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah, immediately... He, he immediately... It's like this... It's like it's a, a switch has been flipped that the... It's giving him... Um, giving him motivation. And, and not just motivation. He's, he's going right back into cop mode. Too. Mm-hmm. He immediately starts thinking, and like he reads it a couple more times, and then immediately he notices that it says perk. And what's fun about this is when you are reading something like this, these novels that it's almost it's a mystery novel in the same way. For me, in that moment, I was like, "Oh, there's clues in that I missed because I just read it casually." And so I went back real quick and I flipped through it, and then I started like looking through it and stuff. And it was, you know, just interesting that, like, some of the uh, the few couple of, like, mis- uh, things that you don't see in this one, but because Steve trains you to look so closely at this one, you notice inconsistencies in the next one before Bill Hodges says them. Yes. It's yes. like Stephen King is training you how to read his book in this first chapter. Absolutely he is. It's a, it's a fascinating way to, uh, to start it. It's just a good introduction. And, you know, it's... It's a good call to adventure because not only is it a good call to adventure for the character, it's a good call to adventure for the audience. It's intriguing and it's interesting and it just makes you kind of want to know, like, okay, there's more to this. Yeah, you definitely want to know what's next. Absolutely. Bill immediately goes into cop mode like you mentioned. And so he's like, oh, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. You know, chain of... uh, possession put it away turn it into forensics do the the right thing go back to go to his part you know his former partner and and do the right thing and then he's like or maybe i can just i don't know investigate myself a little bit and then take it to my old partner you know so he you immediately figure out that he's maybe not quite a total rule follower no, not a, yeah, no. So he definitely is like, I'm going to figure out a way that I can do this. Um, and it made me wonder if that was how he was on the force as well, or if he was, he's this way now because he's off the force. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. You wonder if he always did things on the straight and narrow and, and so, I'm, I'm guessing probably not. No. And um, so it's fun. He ends up, you know, he kind of goes and he goes right back into the detective mode. He gets out some pen and paper and he starts like working through it. And uh, one of the fun things is, is at one point he does say, it's the ice cream man. Uh, 
it's just fun to see like that foreshadowing and the first time through obviously you're not going to get anything but you know Mm -hmm. 25 more pages in you're going to be like oh snap he guessed it right immediately yeah um, immediately it was his i think is that his it's his first guess like his first guess yeah it's literally his first guess so uh that's fantastic and it's so good like just his intuition his instinct is still so right on that his first guess is the killer and it's just a matter of him proving it now. Um, and it's Stephen King, too, telling you, like, it's this person. Now this, our protagonist just has to prove it. And to immediately back that up. Now, he goes on for, we get probably seven or eight pages of just him invest, or just straight investigating all of this stuff. And I think what's interesting. Well, and, and working, I don't know that we could call it in i guess it is the first part of the investigation he's breaking it down like he would if he was still working and he's he hasn't even left his his house yet he has just gotten a notebook and taken notes and and just working through i think he's working through his thoughts on it it's probably it looks like it's like two days total he goes and gets dinner and then he goes to sleep and you know i think what's fun about steve is he gives you these little mental check-ins on his characters when they're going to sleep it's almost like a save point in the video game is what i relate it to mm-hmm. and so you know he goes to sleep and it's it's kind of like do they have dreams or then they're sleeping badly if they don't have dreams they're sleeping pretty good and it's because something good happened um right and so, you know, that's usually, Bill's been sleeping pretty good lately. Um, we end up getting to uh, uh, the point where he does decide that he is going to uh, go ahead and take the, not take the letter to his partner, but he is going to reach out to his partner and start a conversation with him and mm-hmm. see what's going on. And before he does that, he wants to uh, reach out to Jerome. Jerome... Um, in some ways Bill Hodges is the most realistic character I've ever read because the way that he interacts with Jerome I have seen so many 50 year old white men interact with young black men like that it is absolutely incredulous so the way that this book is written that he interacts like that and it's so cringy and it's so awful but it's so like good-natured and trying to be fun and aware and it's just like that's what makes like that really added to the realism of bill hodges does that make sense what i'm trying to say it it does it does but he also makes it really clear that they are genuinely friends no yeah they are genuinely friends and he and that that is true yeah Um, i I love jerome Jerome, And, and you will and you will and only so learn to love Jerome even more. After, yeah. So now we'll talk about Jerome for a second. Jerome is a brilliant uh, 18, 17, 18-year-old kid that lives uh, a couple of doors down from Bill Hodges. And he does all of his uh, computer stuff for him. So he'll come over and he'll fix his computer. He'll teach him how to email. He'll show him how to use his phone. You know, basically anything that you would go into an Apple store for. And right. Yeah. So um, Jerome is also going to end up being a big part of this because Bill Hodges does not know how to use this website he's been given. And right. he's also well, and he's also savvy enough to know Bill is savvy enough to know that, you know, he could get suckered because he has. I don't think it's Bill is savvy enough. I think that Bill is old enough and unaware enough to not know how to check it himself. Well, but. Bill also has gotten his computer um, 
Jerome already had to fix it once because he got scammed and locked out and craziness. So he's not going to get into another website that he's not familiar with and doesn't know how to use without checking with Jerome first. Yeah, and so... Go ahead, yeah. sorry. Yeah, because... He doesn't want he doesn't want to embarrass himself again. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. He just doesn't want to be put in a bad situation, so he'd rather just not learn about it and not do it and just ask for Jerome's help, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, not a bad thing, really. Like um, he ends up paying Jerome, and Jerome takes care of his lawn and stuff and does all this work for him, um, and they have a good relationship, uh, a really good relationship, in fact, and. Um, he ends up calling Jerome and he asks him to come over and talk to, uh, and come over and um, help him set up, um, what is it? No, he just asks him to come over and look at the website yeah, with him. Yeah, just come over and look at look at a thing he's got. And, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, he ends up doing that. Then he calls his partner and he says, hey, can we have lunch the next day? And then he goes right back into uh, breaking down this letter. So he's mm-hmm. kind of setting up, uh, we're, we're setting up some dominoes for us to play with, which is pretty fun. We've read about the Mercedes killer, we've read about his killings, and 50 pages in, Bill Hodges falls asleep smiling, and all of a sudden, we're just shoved over to a character, and we find out their name is Brady Hart- Hatsfield. And um, from Jump, this character sucks. The way that he does Brady, it is blatantly this character sucks and he's a bad person and you should hate him a little bit and then soon like a good old Annie Wilkes you'll feel a little bit of pity for him but don't worry he'll get rid of that pity yeah oh yeah oh yeah get over that real quick I don't even know like I haven't even gotten to a part where he's gonna get rid of any of that pity I feel tiny bits of it and I'm just I know in my heart I'm like I shouldn't I'm gonna hate him oh yeah oh yeah so we find out that he works at a discount electronics store. He is essentially on the geek squad at Best Buy. Um, right. And he's real good with computers, and part of his job is he does house calls. He goes into people's house, and he fixes their computers, and he does stuff for them. Um, and while we're reading all of this about him, he ends up thinking, and t- thinking to himself about um, the letter he wrote to bill hodges so he outs himself mm-hmm. to the audience so we figure it out which immediately right. so puts, we know it's yeah so immediately it's so interesting because it's like we as the audience are like oh so i guess there's not much of a mystery for us we know what it is right we know from you know 50 pages in it now it's just the story of how bill gets to that same place yep exactly so uh brady we find out has been um working at this electronics store doing all these appointments and uh he's just like we we don't have to go into many specifics it's just like the way that he thinks about people and the way that he talks about other people it's just uh, he's the he's the villain yes yes he's a terrible person he's he's obviously from the very beginning a sociopath and a narcissist he only Mm -hmm. thinks about himself and everybody else is you know stupid or lazy or ignorant or whatever yeah nobody's as smart as he is nope they couldn't be and so um it's really just chap this chapter is just here to illustrate that and to let us know that like this is the person that did this so while bill hodges is agonizing over all of this brady is just at work at best buy yeah 
and uh, it, it's a it's a fun, interesting way to get started with it. We're gonna be jumping between the two now that Brady's been introduced, um, and we go back to Hodges, who is having lunch. Well, well, and and but not only working at Best Buy, but also working a second job. We yeah, um, he we find out here in a little bit that he's also the ice cream man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he just they they talk about in that section. Because Brady's off at two, so he can go to work at his other job at three. Oh yeah, they do say that. Mm-hmm. We yep. just, I yeah. just didn't. Yeah, they just don't say that it's an ice cream man. So they're like, "What time exactly. do you got to get off?" And everything. And we're introduced to a couple of like, I wouldn't say they're his friends at work, but they're the people he works with. He doesn't like them right. at all. Right. Well, at I don't all. think Brady likes anyone. That's his point. No, that's that's the point. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we, after we find out that little bit about Brady. Um, we come to Hodges, and he's having lunch with his detective uh, part, old partner. And uh, we find out about just kind of the world of this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we find out that they, he used to be a great detective, a brilliant detective. So, you know, it really sets the tone and gives us a little bit of backstory about, like, the abilities of our main character. And then it also gives us new information about the world that we wouldn't have. So we find out about four different uh, crimes that have been happening. Um, there's a guy named da- Donald Davis who murdered his wife. There is a rapist. But there's in no the- body. Yeah, but there's no body. There's a rapist in the park. Uh, pawn shops are being broken into. And then the Mercedes killer, of course, is still something that he's talking about. And then they also talk about Turnpike Joe, who is a murderer who is uh, just terrorizing the area and murdering people uh, off the turnpike between New Jersey and New York. Um, and you know it's fun because it's I think cop jargon is always interesting to read just because cops just it makes sense that like cops when you run into them in real life never seem to be like kind people because when you read a cop book they're all just mean to each other and they're Mm -hmm. just being mean to each other and being harsh so it makes sense that like when you run into a random officer they're not particularly ever just jolly and kind uh, and it, it, they just slide right back into that, right? Yeah, they yeah they slide back into their routine. So yeah, they they go they have lunch and you know, low key Bill is trying to get information about the Mercedes killer, but he doesn't want to put it out there that that's all he's asking about. So he's like, hey, update me on all my cases that were still, you know, open when I retired, and and you know you get a little insight and and he you can see how bill got information yeah he's without, a very, he's a smooth he, man he, yes that's he's a that's jazz it. man for mm-hmm. sure he's into jazz and he just is able to finesse these answers out of these people uh and there's a couple of examples too uh just where he interacts with the security guard and he starts to interact with other people and you just you really start to appreciate what he's able to bring to the table Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see why he was a good detective. Mm-hmm. So um, we go into, they have their lunch. We are, during this part, um, we're treated to a lot of backstory about the case that we didn't know. So we mm-hmm. find out that the Mercedes was owned by an, a name by Olivia Trelawney, which is also, yes, the name of the um, professor in Harry Potter that yes. teaches divination. And uh, this was probably, I imagine, it could have been a nod to J.K. Rowling before J.K. Rowling went crazy on t- Twitter. 
Yes. And yeah. yes. And now it's probably not. Now, now it's, it's something not. else. Yeah, now exactly. It's absolutely something else. Um, and so um, she had left her key in her car that day. So the person was able to break into the car and get it out. And, um, you know, we just find out she's just pretty adamant that she didn't leave her key in her car. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really all we find out about her. Um, and she seems to just be like a pretty, uh, she's not too important right now. She, she's played off as not that important. Right. Only she owned the car that was the murder weapon. So, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's important too, because later on she ends up becoming a pivotal piece, but the way mm-hmm. that they talk about her now just kind of illustrates the way the police thought of her then. She was just a ditzy old woman that forgot her key in her car and caused this and she killed herself because of that guilt. And, you know, we find out that Olivia Trelawney, after everything, did kill herself. But we will find out even later that it's not because Mm -hmm. of that guilt at all. Um, After lunch with his partner, where he ends up getting a couple, a little bit of new information, um, we're treated to what is probably my favorite scene so far, if I'm being honest. Um, He walks up, uh, walks out, and he was starting to walk down the street a little bit. And there's this uh, kid just being bullied by these three big guys. And he pulls out something, and he calls it, what is it, his happy sit? His happy slapper. His happy slapper. Uh-huh. And before he left the house, he had a moment where he grabbed his gun, and he said, no, I don't want to bring my gun. I don't want to be strapped and loaded when I go to lunch with my old partner. I think that'll be the wrong message. So instead, he grabs his happy slapper. And it doesn't take the time to explain to you what a happy slapper is. And good God, am I so happy it didn't. Because when it finally does, it's such a great moment. It really and, is. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so he goes and he confronts these uh, uh, bullies. with his, And he pulls his happy slapper out of his uh, pocket. And it is a sock filled with golf balls, right? No, uh, it's... Like ball bearings. Ball like bearings. Babies. Yeah. Um, and so it is a sock filled with just ball bearings. He wallops these guys. And they run away and the kid uh, gets out of there. Um, and it, it's just a, it's a, a cute little scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's nice to see this this guy stand up for the little guy. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it's just it also shows you Hodges' bravery. He isn't mm-hmm. he isn't going to just sit there and let people get beaten up. He's going to step in. He's going to help. Right. It sets the tone for what uh, is about to come. Yes. So. Um, as we get uh, moving on, we switch back into Brady's perspective. There's a lot here about the case itself, mm-hmm. and it, it's we could cover it in detail, but the point of this podcast is not for to solve the murder together. Um, it's to go through the story itself. So, exactly. yes, the so, case is interesting, yeah. but we don't need to cover all of it. Right. Read it. You'll get the backstory. You'll get the gist of it. Right. And so we uh, they talk about the case, and he uh, rescues the kid. And then we switch over to Brady, who we find out then is the ice cream man. And he... Everybody uh, loves the ice cream man. And it's the end of the first section. And we're going into Under Debbie's Blue Umbrella, which is the bulk of the next... No, there's two more sections that we're reading through. And so in this first section, we're introduced to our two main characters. And we're given uh, the game. The game is afoot, as they used to say in the old uh, Sherlock Holmes things the novels and such yes um and and it's very interesting it's a very fun take on serial killer uh 
detective chase and so yes. it, it, yeah the, the you now you've got the pieces let's see where it goes right so we end up cruising through with brady for a little bit we find out um brady's ice cream truck route is actually conveniently the same route that uh the uh detective hodges lives on so every day he's actually passing by his house uh, to see him and check up on him so simultaneously, he's also passing by Jerome Robinson's house. So we learn a little bit more about Jerome, and he has his mom and his dad and his sister. Um, and uh, they stop and they get uh, they stop him and they get ice cream from him, and uh, you know just illustrates even more like Brady's does not like Jerome. Um, I think that there's a little part of him that's jealous of the attention that Jerome gets from Hodges. Uh, I think it's interesting too you know it's interesting that brady has such a fixation on this older man character when he doesn't have a father in his life i was that is exactly what i was getting ready to point out you know really? he, i think he's jealous of the relationship that not only that jerome has with bill but that jerome has with his family mm -hmm. because he's, it's so normal or normal typical. and wholesome and yeah right it, it's that uh typical uh little dream family that you have in the movie just to really illustrate the normality of like the situation for some yes um after we have that fun cute little ice cream scene uh we are treated to hodges who is um starting really he's starting to start his investigation he's breaking out of his house he's going to check in on these places and he decides the first place he's going to go to is the woman's house uh, where the car was stolen right Olivia Trelawney's home. Yeah, exactly. So en route to Olivia Trelawney's home, he meets a security guard who he thoroughly uh, just charms out of his way. Um, Absolutely. Oh man, this guy is good. This is where you. This is the first time you really get to see Bill's charisma in action. Oh yeah. And this is where you can see why he was successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he ends up actually even being able to pull information out of the security guard that he didn't have before uh, about the woman and stuff that he didn't even get when he was a detective years ago. And it gives him uh, some more information to go on. Um, and the thing is, is for Bill, it's not any one in particular thing. It's all these little things that stack up. And then we get a couple of chapters of him breaking it down. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really cool to like, it's, it's a very good peek into his mind and how it works. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way I love the way he writes bills so that we can see it from different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next day, Jerome ends up leaving him a note telling him he finished his lawn and he ended up uh, looking into the website and he said it just should be a normal website and he should be fine. So he ends up going on to it, but he doesn't actually end up completing through it and like logging in. He's just a little scared. And so he asked Jerome to come over and like walk him through it and like do it with him. Mm -hmm. Um Brady, we switch over to his point of view, and you know, now that we're under Debbie's blue umbrella, we're getting a little bit more between each characters. We're going back and forth, and here's where we get to see Brady's home life, mm -hmm. and it is not good. His mom is an abusive alcoholic who uh, molests him, and the way that it's written, it is implied that he's it's been happening for a very long time. Right, for most of his life. Yeah. Um, and he hates it. He is disgusted by it, but he also doesn't know how to get out of it. Um, and it's just all around a terrible situation. Um, but he has his, uh, you know, as we see, it's funny, um, he has a basement to escape to. Mm -hmm. 
So um, he escapes to his basement where he makes bombs and he f- f- messes around with poison and he has a computer. And plays on his computers. Yeah. I mean, it's such a stereotypical mama's boy living at home in the basement. Mm-hmm. Just... It's it's, it, it's it's like a complete stereotype. No, it is. And it, it's it's interesting because Hodges is just such a real character. He's not much of a stereotype. He is a stereotype, but he's got so much more dimension because of like the way the stereotype's being portrayed. Whereas mm-hmm. Brady's stereotype is not as much of a dimension. No. Brady's just, just despicable and there's not like much there yet. Yeah, like the backstory with his mother and his life story does give him a lot more and it does flesh out his actions yet. But he doesn't have any other kind of wants or needs. We don't really know like what any of his driving forces are in this moment. Right. Um, yeah, he's yeah. So I'm looking I'm, I know that, that I'm sure that that's going to come to light. That's just what I'm waiting for out of Brady. Mhm. Um we go down uh, into his off uh, his box and uh, we just you know we learn a lot about his random stuff and we end up learning about his uh, two de- contraptions he has thing one and thing two and they're mm-hmm. two devices that he uses for stealing cars yeah, for robbing cars oh yeah he doesn't steal cars he just breaks into cars right um, and the first one is a uh, little TV remote that can just uh, change traffic lights which is pretty mm-hmm. cool and the second one is um, something that, like, probably exists, and I just never really thought about it. But oh, yeah, it, I'm sure it does. It's, um, I'm, no, uh, it's like a little key jacker thing. Mm-hmm. And essentially it just takes your fob, like the little thing that you use to unlock your car. Your clicker. Your clicker. And it uh, replicates that signal, and it unlocks your car for you. Um, well, not for you, but for the person that's stealing from yeah, you. For the person that's stealing from you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what he calls thing two. And he, so he has these two just uh, these treasures to him that he's invented. And he stores them in his basement along with all of his other things. He's got a bunch of different... Uh, uh, a bunch of different little projects. And the one that we learn about in particular is... Uh, it is a suicide vest. And mm-hmm. it is a vest that he's sewed uh, 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 more ball bearings, more ball bearings, and uh, mm-hmm. plastic explosives into. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah, it's interesting. So it says filled with ball bearings, just like the one in Hodge's Happy Slapper. Um, so it brings you know these two characters have similar uh, ingenuity, mm-hmm. you know, inventiveness. Right. Um, from this point on. Uh, Jerome comes over, helps him set up his account, mm-hmm. and we finally get the correspond. Oh no, 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 no! He meets Jane. Oh first. no, no! Yeah, we yeah. All right. So before that, we start um, what seems to be like one of the biggest uh, uh, motivations for Bill Hodges in the book. He meets Janie Patterson who is Olivia Trelawney's sister. Sister. Mm-hmm. And she was living in California during all of this. She was married to a really abusive husband. And when her sister died, she actually was given and bequeathed all of her estate. So she ended up with everything. 
and she ends up divorcing her husband and moving back home to try and fix her life and everything. And, uh, and, because to, and to help take care of her mom. Yeah. Um, she finds out Olivia had been taking care of her mother, and so she uh, takes up that stead and starts taking care of her mother as well. Um, and Hodges goes to knock on the door and see, uh, and he ends up uh, chatting with her that day. And yeah. uh, he, he wants to do some follow-up questions because he feels like after reading the letter and kind of looking back that maybe, maybe he missed something. Yeah. Um, and so he goes to ask these questions, and uh, it's just more of the same smooth man. You just don't really expect him. I'm not going to lie. You just don't expect him to be this smooth when you, like, are opened and introduced to him. Mm-mm. No, not um, at all. Yeah. And she ends up making him some coffee, and they end up talking for a while, and he ends up finding out that she had also heard that her sister, Olivia Trelawney, the woman who owned the Mercedes, had also received a strange smiley face letter. Mm-hmm. And hers was uh, in that same vein of, uh, I'm going to get you to kill yourself. Yes. And, you know, with Olivia Trelawney, she was already not entirely mental- mentally stable. And, frankly, the cops bullied her because they were sure that she had left her key in her car and that that's how it all happened. Mm-hmm. And so with that guilt of her, of the cops just berating her, thinking that she left her key in her car and the letter, and then also Brady begins to uh, uh, exacerbate the system, situation and just make it worse, uh, she does end up killing herself. Mm-hmm. And um, Janie doesn't think it was suicide. She thinks that someone convinced her to do it, and she's right. So she hires good old Bill Hodges himself to be a private eye, a private dick. Right, and so now he's got some, I, he doesn't have a private investigator's license, but he's actually been asked by the family to research this further. He's got an So it gives him some credibility and an, an excuse mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. If somebody stops him and they're like, why are you doing this? He can't just say, because I want to. You know, he can say, oh, the sister uh, asked me to look into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, she sits down and uh, gives him some coffee and cookies and they work out the arrangement of the deal and you know it's I would highly urge you the listener to read this novel because there's no way we could possibly get into all these details Um, it is just so many small little details and the way that we read Bill Hodges's brain Worrying together to connect all those details. It's just wonderful. It's really beautiful and it's fantastic to read. So I'd highly mm-hmm. recommend it you really read it is. because there's no way we can capture that here. Uh, and all we can really tell you is that he ends up deducing that it, it was, in fact, the same person that ended up uh, is trying to get him to commit suicide. He looks through the letter. He notices a bunch of different similarities. And one big glaring similarity, similarity is that he uses the word perk, P E R K in place of the word perp, P-E-R-P. Mm-hmm. And that is one just for sure connecting factor between the two. And it's definitely right. setting up a situation where we know Hodges is going to catch Brady because Brady says perk instead of perp. Right. It's only a right. matter of time now. Like, that's what this is all built into. Um, and so we find out, you know, just kind of confirmation that what the police thought in the past was wrong. 
and she, he leaves that conversation um, in a very good mood because as he's walking away, Janie gives him a kiss on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that conversation, it's very world building as well we learn a lot about more about olivia trelawney's life and the people in her life and that kind of stuff and we learn about um you know she had a lot of electronics and computers and stuff and that's a little foreshadowing um and it's pretty interesting um but it's really just the way that steve has been writing out these conversations with these detectives these uh you know these smooth interrogations is really wonderful it is he does a great job and again this is one of the things that even we were as we were talking to people this weekend was mentioned so many times he just does such a great job of building real people they're real characters he, they've got so much dimension and so much depth they're they feel real bill feels like a real person janie feels like a real person person you know while brady is not very dimensional you know, we all know that guy. We all know the geeky guy who has a, a not great home life. It plays out in some really interesting ways, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, so we end up, uh, we get this next section is um, pretty much Jerome uh, trying to um, tell Hodges that it's safe to get into that website. And he tells right. him that this is the type of, like, super encrypted website where like you know normally you find child pornography and you'd find hitman and you'd find all these like dark web things essentially yeah, um, it's, it's a deep deep place that is definitely not it's an offshore site so that there's a lot more privacy yeah and so uh they're sitting there chatting about it and they decide the you know we're just gonna go grab some ice cream so they go and get some ice cream and uh then that's it and i just think it's it's fun because brady is there all the time and, mm-hmm. they, and Steve just goes, he makes a point to point it out, and it's great. Um, he ends up getting signed into the site with Jerome. Jerome talks him through it, explains some of the processes of, you know, two-factor identification and all of these things. In my heart, kind of, I was hoping that Stephen King is saying a lot of this to, like, walk an older generation through technology that they just, like, here's some, <laughs> yeah. like, just, like, subliminal teaching. Um and so uh well and and it also in this section is where we talk about the keys because so jerome's dad buys his mom a car um and gives it to her as a gift and she leaves the spare key in the glove compartment because she doesn't even know it's there yeah exactly so it plants this seed of oh <laughs> and the other thing that you know is revealed during the case too is that a mercedes leaves every factory and every dealership with two keys and mm-hmm. it's part of the invoice so there is two keys and they do exist right um, even though she absolutely insists that she only ever had one key for the car yeah um after this we get a fun moment where it switches over to brady uh, where it's in the same time as Braid or they're getting ice cream, uh, and he's making fun of Jerome just to kind of re-cement how much he dislikes him, really. Um, now we get a flash into the news, which is uh, interesting too, because it's announced that the uh, 
Turnpike Joe is the same person as Davies. Mm-hmm. And, Donald Davies. Yep. So we find out that those two are to, uh, the same murderer, and it is uh, an interesting development because uh, it doesn't matter now, but sooner on, sooner than later, uh, Hodges will be able to use it against uh, himself again. Um, mm-hmm. He gets a call from Jerome, and Jerome says, I'm under the umbrella. Everything's working. Um, I'm talking to this old lady. Uh, what is it? It says, I'm talking to this old lady. Um, something, something, something. And I'm positive that that's Brady. There's no way that's an old lady. That's 100% Brady. He's talking to Jerome. He's going to use it against him. And I'm so excited for that reveal. That is an official theory. Mark it down. We'll talk about it here in a little bit when we're done. Okay. But it's a good one. Um, and so uh, tells him it's, you know, $30 for a subscription, but he doesn't have to pay it because somebody's already paid it for him. Right. Ominous. Ominous, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up getting in to the website, reading through a little bit, and, uh, you know, the next, like, three or four chapters are just him trying to decide what to write. Right. He's he knows that what he writes on under the blue umbrella if he wants to figure out who this is, he's going to have to push him in in some direction to make him expose himself or to inadvertently give a clue about who he is so that Bill can find him. I mean, he says it in his notebook. He says, I have to wind him up. And so he chooses to do that by, you know, it's a classic tactic, but he just decides to tell him that he's lying. He's like, no, no, you're not. I don't believe you. And, you know, he does it a little bit more eloquent than that, but not much more. It's very, it's, it's curt and blunt and rude. And he's just like. (laughs) Withheld evidence proves that it's not you. So go away. Right, and, and it works exactly how he wants. It pisses, mm-hmm. it, it, and it works exactly how he wants. It makes Brady so angry. Um, yes. And it leads into our next section called Poison Bait, which is our last mm-hmm. section that we're going to be covering today. And it is an aptly titled section. Yes. Um, it starts with Brady Hartsfield doesn't need to, no long, Brady Hartsfield doesn't need long to figure out how he's going to poison Jerome Robinson's canine pal Odell. And so immediately, no matter any pity that you ever develop for this character, I hate him. Right, because he, yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to try to go after the dog. Kill a puppy. Wow, yeah. So he orders uh, gopher poison. and uh, Under a fake name. Oh, yeah, he has a whole fake identity set up with a fake credit card and everything. He's, mm-hmm. he's, like, he's got the right precautions. And he orders poison and everything, and he's waiting for it to come. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to say to the uh, to the message. And it's right. interesting because this is the first chance we're getting. We get a big stretch of Brady here. Yes, we do. Um, and so, you know, through these stretches of Brady, uh, we find out more of a couple of his employees. They're not his employees, but the employees that he works with. Mm-hmm. But then we also find out that his mom uh, just still to this uh, the moment that she's there with him now will still molest him and like do things to him that he just is uncomfortable with and doesn't like right. and is trying totally to get out of. Totally inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And he ends up uh, uh, going on to a uh, house call 
And we find out that he checks into the umbrella from all these different house calls. Um, and he goes in and uh, he writes back a message where he pretty much says, like, I, uh, I didn't. Uh, I knew about these two specific pieces of evidence that I was wearing a hairnet and that there was bleach. That stuff was not uh, was never in the papers. You're stupid, but it looks that way to me. Um, what withheld evidence? I dare you to answer this. And uh, you know he has been getting these migraines and he's just not doing well. And it's it's that first moment. It's just like at Harold in the stands. It's the first mm-hmm. movement when he started to lose control. Yes. It absolutely is the moment when he starts to lose control. Of course, he rescues the the uh, house call and saves her computer, which there was nothing wrong with it. It got in a cord, knocked loose or something, and so plugs it back in, and he sits plugs there it and back he's in like, and sits there and works on her just computer. barely saved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, we ended up with a haunting image, um, you know, a vision. And I think that's fun because, you know, we don't have any prophetic dreams in this one. We do have a couple of visions. And Brady ends up going home. He has dinner with his mom. His mom uh, uh, makes him dinner because she had messed up dinner earlier on in the story. And she wanted to make it up to him. And they're laughing about something. And as she's laughing, he has this vision kneeling on her shoulders and driving a butcher knife from her own kitchen deep into her screaming mouth. So he has a vision of him killing her. Right. Um, and it's almost prophetic and we're about to see why so we check in with Hodges who is waiting for a response on the blue umbrella mm-hmm. and it confirms that he is being watched because of a couple of the phrases that he says you know it's fun because as much as we watch Brady lose his mind we're watching uh, Hodges get a step a little, little, little uh, pep in his step you know, yeah get- we are we see him kind of get back into his groove Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, he goes and interviews his neighbors, looking you know, just right back into the the process. Mm-hmm. So he ends up going around his own neighborhood because he knows he's being watched, and he ends up connecting with people. And uh, there's even a woman that says the ice cream man's pretty sketchy. You should check him out. Uh, mm-hmm. But the woman's kind of a little um, unstable. The, is the best way to put it so he doesn't really think well, yeah, much of it she also, because she also is you know watching um, what does the other neighbor say National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena watching for flying saucers so he really just throws out discounts everything she said because another neighbor said eh, she's a little off her rocker um, but another neighbor brings up that uh, he might be a pedophile not Hodges but the ice mm-hmm. cream man the ice cream man right so, you know, there's a, he is not a particularly beloved figure, but he is inconsequential enough that he's kind of forgotten. Right. Right. He's, um, just, he's just part of the background. He's just right. part of the scenery. He gets a call from his uh, partner who ends up confirming the news about Turnpike Joe mm-hmm. um, and uh, talking about it. And he ends up realizing that he can. this is when he can use it against... Uh, Mr. Mercedes himself. Right. Exactly. So he, he goes to see Janie because she wants an update on... Um, oh, no, no, that's not what happens. So he gets a call from Janie during all of this. And during right. their initial conversation, he had said when Olivia's mother wakes up, he'd like to talk to her because she is uh, has real severe Alzheimer's. 
and has lucid days where she remembers things and just days where she doesn't remember anything. Right. And so he wants to talk to her on one of her good days because he feels like that when he was talking to her and Olivia before that he messed up and he missed something. And he wants to re-examine what she had to say. So they mm-hmm. end up up there talking to her, and we get a lot of clues. And this is, uh, it's a, I'm glad we're stopping here in a little bit, because this is like, this is where most of the clues come from. It is. But um, we end up finding out that Janie was hearing ghosts, um, and he also gets uh, a... Olivia. Uh, Olivia was Olivia. hearing ghosts. Olivia was hearing ghosts. She finds out Olivia was also on the blue umbrella, and mm-hmm. she also uh, tells Bill Hodges a name, and that name is Frankie. And he says it, he doesn't know what it means, but he knows that he has a name now, and names are powerful. And uh, yes, um, names are powerful. Um, and so she went to, he, they go to leave, um, she's starting to like lose a little bit of her lucidity, and she just says, why, um, they're the, the ghost, they would scream, why did you let him murder my baby? That's why Livy killed herself. Right. The baby crying. And the woman screaming, yes, These were, the ghosts and, in her house. Yeah, and so Olivia, before her death, before she committed suicide, was hearing these things in her home while conversing mm-hmm. on uh, the blue uh, umbrella. Um, we get some more, uh, you know, it's, I know each time he does it, it's just a little innocuous thing for the characters, but as the audience member, every time they buy ice cream, it's so chilling because you just it know is. how close he is. Because you just know he's right there. And, and, it's like every other, every third chapter, we get Brady selling ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, and Brady then, driving through the neighborhood and talking to the kids and seeing the kids and, you know, selling Jerome and his sister ice cream. Yeah, and it's just kind yeah. of to show us, like, what Brady's doing. Brady is not taking this well. He is, it's preoccupying him in every way. And he ends up lashing out and hurting a child. And he freaks out because he's worried he's going to be remembered. Mm-hmm. So he ends up uh, giving, trying to like uh, talk, smooth it over and everything, but he can't. So he's worried that the kid's going to remember him. While simultaneously, let's say Hodge's conversation with Janie is going very well after it meeting Mom. It is going very well. After um, meeting Mom, yeah. So uh, yeah. they end up back at uh, Janie's place, and uh, they have a good night together. Um, and it starts their little love affair. Um, mm-hmm. And it definitely it connects Hodges to this case on a much bigger level now. Yeah, it's, it, it, all of a sudden it's really, really personal. It was personal before because it was his open case, but this is just now next level. Right. Because he's got a relationship within the family. And so he ends up, uh, uh, while Hodges is laying there in bed, just having a good day, an incredible day. Mm-hmm. Brady is having the worst day of his life, and he actually decides, I'm going to rush through my plans, and I'm going to, I'm going to kill, uh, I'm going to kill this dog. So mm-hmm. he goes to the store, and he buys some gopher grow, some uh, gopher go, some poison. Right. He buys Instead some Instead of waiting for what comes in the mail. Right. Instead of waiting for it to come in the mail like he supposed, like he had already bought it, he's already bought this stuff. It's on its mm-hmm. way. He's just impatient now because he's so upset. He buys some hamburger and he uh, goes home that night and his mom's made him dinner. And he ends up uh, making a little concoction by mixing the hamburger and the poison together to make a little like log. 
and he knows mm -hmm. he can't use it anytime soon, so he uh, puts it away. Uh, and he puts right. it away well, in the refrigerator. Yeah, go in ahead. In the garage. He, yeah. he puts it away, away from where he knows mom's going to go. He doesn't think she even... I, I think this is uh, this is definitely the fatal flaw. He underestimates his mom. Mm -hmm. He underestimates... Well, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know... They're still corresponding through the blue umbrella, and each one's getting worse and worse and worse. But at this point, uh, Hodges has told him, I don't believe you. You're a liar. Donald Davis just uh, admitted to the crime. There's no way you did it. Like, you're not the right. real Mercedes killer. And Brady just does all this, loses his shit, and writes uh, Brady does all this, loses his mind, and then just writes back with this letter about how he is the real killer. Right. And he does it in... Um in a bad frame of mind so there's typos so many typos and it's yes. you can just slowly start to see this character unraveling yep so hodges is, wakes up is having a great day uh from his great day and he um uh, finds his letter he goes through it or not his letter but his response um and simultaneously um he's uh checking in with jerome too mm -hmm. about what's going to be happening and it's getting, you know, as we're getting through this, so it's starting to get a little, you're getting a little nerve wracking because we start to put some more focus on Jerome's little sister. And mm -hmm. they're talking about Jerome's little sister and how she's home alone right now and everything. Um, and then Jerome essentially comes and uh, meets up with Mr. Hodges and he's like, hey, I figured it out. I know exactly how you can unlock cars. Right. I, I did it and so he shows him his little invention to unlock cars and like do everything and um he ends up uh, trying to uh he ends up essentially bringing jerome in on the case exactly yeah he instead of just using jerome's uh intelligence and skills he's like okay i need i need your intelligence and skills in a new in a next level way so, you know, you got to be careful, but I need your help with this. Yeah. Um, so Brady, and uh, this is all, it seems like this is all happening in the same day. So we'll break it up in two separate ones. We'll do Hodges first, and then we'll do Brady. Mm -hmm. Hodges is having lunch, and he gets a call from Janie, and he finds out Janie's mom has had a stroke, and that she is just, she's done for. And I, it's it's callous. I, I don't want to say it that way. <laughs> um, that's too much. Janie's well, mom was. But, uh, it's yeah. true, sadly. Right. I mean, Janie's mom wasn't well anyway, and now Janie's mom is gone because she's had a stroke, and that's you know. Yeah. So she calls Bill, and she essentially uh, asks Bill to come and help her do everything to do the funeral and everything. So through that, um, Bill goes to the to the funeral, and we're introduced to a lot more of the family. Mm -hmm. um, we're introduced to two in particular, Rudy, or no, three in particular, Charlotte. 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 That's what it is. Charlotte, Charlotte Holly, and and Henry. Um, yeah. Um, and so they're they're just typically uh, there's nothing too important about them, um, and I'm sure I feel like we're gonna get some uh, interesting information from it. We just didn't get to that part during this reading mm -hmm. because yeah. we get sidetracked by Brady's story. Brady 
is planning the day uh, for the murder and how he's going to do it. And he arrives the dog, home. To murder the dog. Yeah, to murder the dog. And he arrives home and he um, arrives home uh, to just kind of just dead silence, which he's not used to. And uh, he calls out to his mom and he hears like a gagging, gasping sound and he runs into the living room. And his mom is there just kind of like slumped over, throwing up with a hamburger in front of her. Mm-hmm. Because she had been trying so hard to make up for how badly she'd been drinking and burning dinner for Brady that she went out and got this hamburger meat to make him dinner out from the, the garage. And then she started eating. And she just went ahead and started eating because he was home late. And uh, she starts going through these this incredible poison that just essentially... Right, and Does, she's having convulsions, and it's it's not pretty. No, it's and pretty. it's it's convulsions, and like uh, her muscles are spasming, and she's being forced to stand up in ways that she, you know, isn't wanting to. And uh, Brady's just doesn't want to be there for that, so he goes downstairs, <laughs> and uh, that's where we stopped reading. And yeah. he says, "I'm gonna." Uh, he he obviously doesn't take his blame for it. He blames it on. Uh, on Hodges, he says, I'm right. going to kill you, and you won't see me coming. Yep. And that's where we had to stop at reading this week. Oh, I know we went a little bit fast, guys. We're already an hour and a half in, and that was 280 pages of content. So I know there's lots to talk about. If there's something in particular that you feel that we missed that you would love to hear us talk about, uh, go ahead and send us a message at firsttimethroughpodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or anywhere, uh, and we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah, um, I, absolutely. Like the, you're, you're, what you guys like want to hear about is important, and I'd love to hear and make sure that we're we're talking about the same things. Um, Kim, uh, you're how many times have you read this one? Uh, I think this is the third time I've been through this one. Okay, um, it's a newer so, one, so I haven't been through it quite as many times yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was you know it was published in two thousand nine. Um, no, no, it's no, set 2014. in two thousand nine. It's published in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's definitely one of the newer ones. It was within the last mm-hmm. seven years. Um, and it's got a lot of newer tropes in it, too. Uh, yeah. Retired detective tropes and that kind of stuff, I think, are very uh, much newer. Single mom is a much newer trope. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to just kind of see that aspect of it. Um, there's a TV show for this. I really want to watch that. There is. It's on, on Peacock. Uh, there's three seasons. So I I've only good, watched... Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. I've watched the first couple of episodes um, of the first season, but I've always had a, well, we've talked about this a lot. I'm not a huge fan of adaptations, so I don't always watch them. But I've heard really good things about this one, so I think I'm definitely going to watch it. Right. Um, well, I, I, yeah, we have to watch it and put it on the Patreon or something. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we're just, we got one final thing to do. It's very important. It's time for theories. Yes, let's hear your theories. All right, so first off, the most obvious theory. I think we're all thinking it. We all got it in our head. The ghosts, right? The ghosts are little microphones that Brady put around her house when he did a house call one time. So that way he could put all those voices out there. And it's despicable and it's disgusting, a little predictable. But also, I mean, maybe not predictable if you don't know a ton about, like, wireless, like, technology, you know? Right, right. Um, I, then uh, I do think uh, 
Oh, what was I? What did I say? Yeah, obviously, uh, I think that it's gonna like there's gonna be a conversation. Maybe it'll even be when they're buying ice cream, and Brady's gonna say perk instead of perp, and it's just it's gonna be the downfall of him, and we're gonna okay. see it. We're, like that's gonna be the way that he's gonna get got, and I, I I'm excited to see that. Um, I think that we might see some kind of interesting Norman Bates kind of stuff with the mom, and I'm uh, I think that that'll be disgusting. And <laughs> I'm very interested to see where Steve takes us with that. Uh, overall, I like this a lot. I'm glad that it's a trilogy. I'm glad we got a couple of them that we can read through. It's interesting to me that this is the thing that he uh, serialized. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm curious. I, think, I feel like, you know, he's writing this in a, a little bit later frame of life. If he was to be, if we were to be putting... Uh, allegories of himself into characters you know you could almost see him as being like bill in it and then you can see him as thinking of himself as roland through the dark tower series Mm -hmm. and then uh now in his older ages you know he's not out there trying to do everything is like a badass detective but when he gets forced out of retirement that is what he is and he's got to do it he's got to do it again Mm -hmm. yeah and and, you know, I, I'm really loving the fact that as he is, as Stephen has gotten older, he is, he really writes whatever he wants now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's really fun to have the different styles of novels. I really, and I, I like John Grisham. I like, uh, I like thriller, like suspense, thriller, mystery kind of things too. So I really have enjoyed this set of books because i enjoy that style of writing too and you know bonus it's my man (laughs) yeah absolutely and i love mystery so it's a it's a good fit for us um Mm -hmm. and i love uh serial killer stories i'm not gonna lie it's interesting yeah me too people are the people are the monsters someone said that people are the monsters somebody said that this weekend somebody said that yeah you'll hear it this weekend yeah somebody told us and we quote scooby-doo had it right uh, which is just fantastic. I can't wait to share everything that we did at the convention with you guys this week. Uh, it was really uh, spectacular. It was a lot of fun. It was um, a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, no, it, definitely. Can't wait to go out and do it again and uh, get a chance to meet some of you all. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2 of First Time Through New Eyes on Castle Rock. We are very excited. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. Uh, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash first time through if you'd like to support us. Um, those funds all go to pay for our RSS feed, our clean feed subscriptions, anything that we use to uh, pay for the production, essentially. Yep. And, and then, uh, you know, maybe maybe to pay for us to go to our next convention. Oh, you know what we have to do? Season two. Uh, thank you so much, Jason Rager, for the new music. Did you hear that new music, guys? Like, oh, so oh, fantastic. Oh, so good. Uh, shout out to Kurt Payne for at Who Knew Art um, for our new uh, season two art. Fantastic. It uh, incorporated the Roman numerals uh, numbering system that we've been doing for our episodes. I loved it so much. Yep. So and, awesome. Yeah. And so uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you soon. Yeah, join us next week for the bookmark, and, and then, then in two weeks for the rest of Mr. Mercedes. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, oh. Bookmark should be should coming out Should we tell them what's 7th? coming after this? Uh, after Mr. Mercedes? Should we announce that now? Oh, no, no, no. We can, we'll, we'll wait. Not yet. Okay, okay. Not yet. But let's All just right. say it's going to be pretty big. It is going to be big. All right. 
All right. And talk to you uh, soon. I'm Otto Mullins. And I'm Kim Payne. And this has been our first time through Mr. Mercedes. We hope you enjoyed yours. Bye. Bye. For Something New Eyes on Castle Rock is created by Otto Mullins and Kim Payne. Our art is done by Kurt Payne at Who Knew Art, and our music is done by Jason Rager. Everything's original and incredible. If you'd like to support us or any of our artists, please get in touch with us or go to our Patreon and please pledge. All of that money directly goes to help us produce more shows, and we're so thankful for it. Thank you for listening.